Bibles go to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14, we'll start there and transition from there on. It is a tremendous privilege to be here this evening. This is, uh, I used to joke when we were planning on coming and starting the church, uh, and it really wasn't a joke because humor is not funny unless it has a little bit of truth based into it. And I used to joke that we're, we're a little over an hour from you. If you actually look at it, if you take Pittsburgh as a clock, we're, we're down that bottom corner and you're in the top corner. And I used to joke with people, if I was any closer, I would just come here. And so, and I mean that. This is a great church. This is a wonderful church. And, and we in the Pittsburgh area look to this church. And uh, you are uh, absolutely important to us. And it's been my privilege. Uh, I preach in, I try to preach in the school every year, each semester. And it is one of the highlights. I absolutely love preaching to your young people. I love having my young people around this place uh, for powerhouse and different things like that. And it is just a joy to be here this evening. Uh, we, uh, we took the name Legacy Baptist Church because years ago in Pittsburgh, uh, Allegheny Baptist Temple used to be around. And I know former members are here maybe even this evening. And the pastor I got saved under was the youth pastor there in Allegheny. Moved to uh, Washington, D.C., started Heritage Baptist Church. I got saved there as a young Marine. And, uh, and then we came back to Pittsburgh. So we get our name from the legacy of the local church because we believe in the local church. And I hope to be a blessing and a help to you. I have with me this evening Kurt Brantoni. He's over here, uh, been sitting with me. Uh, years ago when we first started, we started with my family of four. We just went out and started knocking doors. Uh, I'm from the Newcastle area, so I really didn't know anybody in the South Hills. I just knew that's where God wanted us to be. And so my family, we moved down there and we started knocking on doors. We had two preview services before we had our grand opening. And at the very first preview service, uh, Kurt and his wife, Jan, they came into the hotel that we were meeting in and uh, they came in the hotel and he came up to me and he said, are you the pastor? I said, yes, sir. He said, my wife and I have always wanted to be part of a startup church. We're here. And five years later, Kurt and Jan, absolutely one of my right-hand men, not only is he a tremendous believer in Christ, not only a tremendously mature Christian, but he's this pastor's friend. And, uh, and, and, and listen, that is vitally important. And I appreciate him coming tonight. Uh, he came up with me. I've been taking him around the building. Now, see, when they, when they built this, see, we could do this down at Legacy. And over here, you see this? They have these guards in front of this nursery, you know, protecting those kids, you know. And, and, uh, and I took him all the way back to the modulars. And I said, you know, if we get land, we could maybe move some modulars in. Look at this beautiful chapel they built back here. And, and so I've been peppering him with ideas and and all the way, beautiful piano, just wonderful. That was just absolutely beautiful. We have at Legacy, we run a community center. And, uh, and that community center, we can only have it so many hours a day. So our evening service is at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then after our evening service, then we have our morning service. And so, so that allows me to come up and preach for you tonight. And then our midweek service is on Thursday, not Wednesday. So, so it's just, uh, just the way we do things at Legacy, and, uh, and that's it. Are you in Revelation chapter 14? Would you look with me as the Bible says? And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 
144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. How many people were there? 144,000, correct? You know what's amazing about this passage of Scripture? This is a tremendous passage of Scripture to teach eternal security from. You see, earlier in Revelation, you have 144,000 witnesses on the earth. Now, here in Revelation chapter 14, and I looked and lo, and stood on Mount Zion, in heaven, you have 144,000 now in heaven. God didn't lose a single one. They were sealed by God. If you're a believer in Christ tonight, you're sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit's power. Unless somebody can break the Holy Spirit, they can't break your salvation. I thank God for his word and how we can learn so much from the pages of Scripture. And then we continue on. And having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and the voice of great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne. And before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. So my assumption in the scriptures as I read the scriptures, uh, a fascinating thing. We started studying the book of Revelation a year ago at Legacy. And we've made it to chapter 16 in a year. We're, we're progressing nicely. I think the Lord may finish the series by coming back. Um, but one of the things that I've learned in studying the book of Revelation is this. Revelation not necessarily is a book of prophecy. It's actually a book of history that has yet to be lived. Let that blow your mind. Like the jet commercial, you know, where the mind just go poop purple. That's what the Bible will do to you. Listen, John was in his day and God transported John into our future. He said, John, look at what you see, then write it. Then God sent John back to his time, and John penned the book of Revelation. Now, if you just want some incredible, just incredible thoughts as we warm up here, take one of the smartest people in history, take Ben Franklin. Take Ben Franklin, pull him out of his time, Bring him to today's day. Take him down to Pittsburgh Mills Mall. Take him out to Pittsburgh Airport and watch planes just land and take off every three, four minutes. Take him over to a microwave and drop some popcorn in the microwave. Right? Then send him back to his own time and say, okay, write about what you just saw. In essence, that's the book of Revelation. And here we see at the end, here we see in the kingdom, we see the 144,000 witnesses, the 144,000 martyrs. We see that when, when we get to heaven and when we're there, already there, raptured out, and these 144,000 come, there's harpers harping. There's singers singing. You know what I learned from that? We're going to sing in heaven. We are absolutely going to sing in heaven with perfect pitch, with perfect tune.
with beauty and grandeur that will be amazing. Would you look at that verse again? The Bible says, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne. Now go back to Psalm 98. Psalm 98. In the spirit of the Olympics, that was called a springboard verse there. We're going to do a few flips and then we're going to land back there in Revelation. Psalm 98. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the, saint, in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a what? Joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a what? Loud voice. And rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp and with the harp and the voice of a psalm. With the trumpets and the sound of the coronet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. I like this. Let the sea roar. And the fullness thereof. The world that they dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together. Before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Father, help us. God, help us to learn a lesson of praise this evening. God, help us to be under conviction by the way in which we enter into services, by the way in which we prepare to receive the word of God. Lord, yea, even tonight, preparing for communion, our hearts. God, help us to learn some principles from the scripture that could be absolutely applicable to our lives. God, may the word of God go forth empowered by the spirit of God that we might be better servants for thee. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, in our church, sometimes we'll do hymn stories. And we'll talk about the great writers of the hymns and we'll lay those things out. Many of you have heard about Fanny Crosby. If you read about Fanny Crosby, you'll know she was the blind hymn writer. That when she wrote, she wrote so many hymns to get them published, she had to change her names because the publishers didn't want whole hymn books that just said Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby was one of the first women to ever address Congress. Fanny Crosby, literally today, the Blind Association has some of their funding because of the work that Fanny Crosby did. She personally knew six presidents in her lifetime. Fanny Crosby wrote all these hymns. But I think her singing would have paled until the first moment when that blind woman looked into the face of Jesus Christ. You know, I, 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 I think we act too commonplace sometimes. We, 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 we sing that song. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. You know that one? And we sing it like we've done it before. 
some glad morning when this life is over. Oh, been there, done that, fly away. You ever flown away before? One day the Lord's going to come, and with the trump, he is going to rapture us out, and we're going to be with a loud shout and a loud voice. We are going to praise him uncontrollably. Why should we wait until heaven? Well, pastor, we're a northern church. That makes us a Yankee church. You know, a Yankee church. I imagine when they rebuilt the temple. You know, if you studied it out, when the nation of Israel went into bondage and went into captivity of their own sin, the Bible teaches that they lost their song. Hmm. Can you relate to that? You ever been through a situation where you lost your song? My wife and I, if you don't know our testimony, have buried two children. There are things that can come into our lives that can rob us of our song. There are situations and pressures and stresses and problems that will come in and try to rob us of our song. And the nation of Israel in bondage had lost their song. They had rebuilt the tabernacle. They had rebuilt the temple. And as they come back in, this may have very well been when they unveiled this. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Hey, we're back in the land. Hey, we're back in the temple. Hey, let's sing a new song. We forgot the old song. Let's sing the new song. Whatever you're going through this evening, I want you to understand, whatever you're going through should not change the way you praise God because he never changes. You see, I see here, I see the song leader coming to the platform and I see him saying, hey, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song for he hath done marvelous things. Pastor, why should we sing a new song? Because God has done marvelous things. If you're looking for an outline, number one, God's done marvelous things. Man, there are times and seasons in life when, when, when just different things can rob us of our song. Different things can rob us of our praise. Different things can just take the wind right out of us. It does not change a marvelous God. My God has given me a marvelous testimony of grace. One day I was lost. He came to where I was, put my feet on a, on a solid rock, got me out of the miry clay. He, he's moved into, he, he gave me his spirit. The spirit of God resides in me. Have you ever just thought of that? Your wife doesn't even want to reside with you. But the Spirit of God resides in us. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. Whoa. This, this world's going to try to take your song from you. But this world cannot change a marvelous God. 
Pastor, why should, we, why should we praise God? Why? You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know where I am in life. Listen, I do. I do to my best of my ability try to understand the stress of our times, the political situations of our time, the loss of enthusiasm in our times. I understand our critical nature. You realize we invented a new word a couple years ago called snarky. And here they are on the red carpet, Jill. And all two women do is sit there and snark. If you're not careful, that'll become your spirit. Pastor, why, you, why should I praise God? Because the Bible says he's done marvelous things. Saved my soul. Gave me eternal life. Just this week, I went to a stranger's house. I walked in, very successful nurse, very intelligent family, very wealthy family. I walked in, I said, ma'am, I said, I'm here because a friend of yours told me you had some doubts about spiritual things, and I sure would love to be able to help you out with that. She said, oh, come right in. We sat down. She said, pastor, I know this is what the Bible says. I know this is what the Bible says. I know this is what the Bible says, but I've got this big hole in my heart. And no matter what I do, I can't get rid of that hole in my heart. First time I've ever played an Ethiopia, a eunuch. I mean, listen, here's the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. I'm sitting there and she's saying, I've read my Bible, but I just can't put it together. Two hours later, she trusted Jesus Christ as her personal savior. As I was getting ready to walk out of the house, she said to me, she said, Pastor, that hole's not there anymore. Why should we sing unto the Lord? Because he's done marvelous things for our lives. Oh, my. <laughs> he's given us his word. <laughs> Do you realize... This is the only thing in heaven that will be exactly the same as it is right now. Everything else is going to be changed. You're going to be changed, praise the Lord. I'm going to be changed, praise the Lord. My voice is going to be changed so I can sing better. But the word of God is eternal. Settled in heaven forever. He's given it to me that I might study it. That I might read it. I was witnessing to my neighbor. My neighbor's bless their heart. Is this being live streamed? My neighbors are wonderful people. <laughs> I've got two elderly neighbors and they put a bench out in their front yard which is about 10 feet from my driveway. And every evening they get a bottle of wine and two glasses and they sit literally almost in my driveway and drink their wine and celebrate their evening. So I was going to my car and the wife calls me down. Hey, come here. I go, I'm like, hey, how you doing today? Beautiful evening. Man, it's so good to see you guys spending quality time together. Is this being live streamed? <laughs> no, great. Oh, thank you. Pray, thank you, Lord. <laughs> she says to me, no lie. Hey, what do you think of that Joel Osteen preacher guy? I said, ma'am, I said, he's a really good public speaker. 
but he doesn't know his Bible. And she said, oh, because it's not live stream. You, you believe that Bible? I'm like, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, well, I don't. And I said, well, you're wrong and I'm right. <laughs> she likes Osteen, so I smiled a lot. <laughs> hey, believer in Christ, we have the privilege to have the precious word of God at our fingertips. First time I went into Russia, I smuggled Bibles. Now that's kind of an oxymoron, because when you take a car and you fill the trunk with Bibles, there's not much smuggling involved. We got to the checkpoint in Romania. AK-47s, this is back in the day, AK-47s, barbed wire, submachine guns, the whole nine yards. Guy with the machine gun says, pop the trunk. You pop the trunk. Pop the trunk. Full of Bibles. He looks at the Bibles, and he looks at me. He looks at the Bible. He's got the gun. He says, can I have one? I said, yes, sir. He took one, and he put it in his big overcoat, and he put his armpit over it. He backed up for a second, and he looked at me, and he started crying. And he said, could I have one for my mother? I'm like, dude, you got the gun. Take five. the gun. He took another Bible, put it in his arm, shut the trunk, then walked our vehicle through the checkpoint so that no one else would, would check our trunk. When's the last time you just sang the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. You see, I think we might do better to praise him. Why? Because he's done marvelous things. That's what the psalmist says. How should I praise him? Would you look at the Bible says in Psalm 98? The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice. How do we praise him? Man, if you study that out, if you study that out, you'll find... Literally, that word joyful noise, that word noise literally means roar. It literally means to split the ear. That's what it means. Here's what the Bible says. Verse 4, when you really feel like it, go ahead and make a joyful noise. You know, I think it would be helpful if you would make a joyful noise. You know, if it's not too much bother, go ahead and, is that what it, it's just kind of a command, isn't it? Make an ear-splitting noise unto the Lord. That's a command of God. Why he's done marvelous things. How ear-splitting noise then the Bible goes on, and it says, shout unto the Lord. My goodness, how are we to praise the Lord? 
We're to praise him with a loud voice. We're to praise him with a roar. We're to praise him with enthusiasm. We're to praise him from our heart, and it's supposed to bubble over. My goodness, the other night I was watching the Olympics, and the U.S. won the gold medal. All God's people said? Beat Russia. It's not live stream. And they had that medal ceremony. That national anthem started playing. And that flag started being raised. And that girl started crying and so did I. Why? That's my country. Oh, no, 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 no. No, that's where I live. <laughs> Sunday mornings when I sing about my country. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. And someday on thee I'll stand. See, I don't care if I'm on tune or not. The Bible says make a joyful noise. Make an ear-splitting noise. Why? He's done marvelous things. How? To the best of my ability. When the Steelers score a touchdown, woo-hoo, yay. Oh, that was great. Go down to Buffalo Wild Wings. Go down. I was in Buffalo Wild Wings down in Hampton Road. I was preaching down there. And in between services, I ran to Buffalo Wild Wings, watched the Steelers game. Walked in. There were 47 Steeler jerseys in the restaurant. And there was one waitress wearing a Ravens jersey. <laughs> she got like no tips that day. Man, the Steelers score. People are knocking stuff over. They're jumping up. They're high-fiving. Man, they're, man, that's our team. We're the Steelers. It's Steeler Nation. Hey, listen, that's not my team. You're my team. I serve King Jesus. Well, pastor, you worked up about this election? Nope. No matter who gets elected, God's still on the throne. Amen. Do you really believe that? I do. My Bible says, the heart of the king, he turns whithersoever he will. My, my God's got it all under control. Pastor, why should we praise him? He's done marvelous things. How shall we praise him? with a loud voice. Don't come into church and just get through the song service. That's not making a joyful noise. Pastor Clark, lastly, and I'll be done, who should praise him? Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the world, they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands before the Lord, for cometh the, the judge of the earth. Listen, all creatures should praise him. <laughs> you know what my Bible still says? If you won't praise him, he'll raise the rocks up. Would you think about that? Would you think about this? Every morning when you wake up and you go out to get in your car and you don't even pay attention to the birds singing, they're already praising your God. 
Who should praise him? His all creatures. His creation. Listen, God is worthy of my praise. But not only is he worthy of my praise, it's a tremendous benefit when I praise him. I like that song. How can I keep from singing your praise? How could I ever say enough? How amazing is your love? Listen, I think this. The more I sing about my God, the less I'm thinking about myself. <laughs> you get in the car and you turn on good godly music that ministers to your soul. And you start, we pick up at, at, at Legacy. I, I personally drive to the University of Pittsburgh every Sunday and I pick students up. We're just about to start a new semester. We've got four students already lined up. If you know any students there that want to go to church, be glad to pick them up. What they don't know is I practice what I preach. In other words, the whole time they're in my car, I'm making an ear-splitting loud noise unto my Lord. We just picked a few up the other day. They get in the car. Man, I'm driving down the road, and I'm singing Clark family. I'm singing music. I'm singing loud. I'm singing proud. I don't care. But you know it never comes up? How much they owe on their bill. How poorly they did on their tests. What a miserable week it was to live with the roommate that they have. Do you know why? The whole time they're with me, they're not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about my God. There's a little course I tried to teach to the church this morning. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He moves in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side with love and whatever. In each new day, he will make a way. He will make a way. Do you know why that song's so special to me? Because when we buried our second child, and my wife and I didn't think we could live another day, and my wife and I thought that heaven was shut up. And when I thought my prayers were just bouncing off the ceiling and coming down. When you go out to that graveside and you stand there for a second time as a father. And you don't feel like praising. And you don't feel like singing. It does not change a marvelous God that is worthy of our praise. Why, believer in Christ, will you settle for anything less in your life than making a joyful noise, than shouting unto the Lord? It's okay to have heroes that are dead. Lester Roloff's my hero. Because I actually like his singing. Lester Roloff used to say this. If you can't sing on Monday when the wash line falls in the mud, don't bother singing to King Jesus on Sunday.
Does that make sense to you? Maybe the best thing that you could do in whatever you're going through is sing a new song. Now we're going to end where we began back in Revelation chapter 14. If you don't hear anything else of the message, please hear this. Revelation chapter 14. The Bible says in verse 3, And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. Now look up real quick. Rapture's gone. We're, we're gone. If you're a believer in Christ, rapture's happened. Now during the tribulation, there's another rapture. The 144,000 are raptured up. Now they get before the throne of God. We're spectators right now. We're watching this. The 144,000 come around the throne of God, and they start singing what? A new song, right? Look what the Bible says. The Bible says, and they sung a new song before the throne, and no man could learn that song. Wait a minute. We pick up songs all the time. Now, I get in the elevator. They're playing 80s music. I know all the lyrics. I used to have hair back then. Here's what the Bible says. The 144,000 are going to sing a song. You and I are going to be standing there watching. You and I are going to be standing there listening. You're not going to be able to learn that song. You're not going to be able to learn that song. That song is their song. The 144,000 martyrs that went through the martyring in the tribulation period are going to have a song that is uniquely theirs. You know what I think that means and teaches? You're going to have your own song. You ever said to yourself, nobody understands what I'm going through? You ever said that? God does. So I've tried to explain it to my family. I've tried to explain it to my, they just don't get it. I can't explain to you what it's like to bury two children. <laughs> when my wife and I get to heaven and my two children come running to me I'm going to sing a new song I'm going to sing a new song and I'm going to sing it loud and proud and you're not going to be able to learn it because you haven't lived it uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know what you're going through. But God does. And here's the biblical truth out of it. He wants to give you a new song in it. Where did they sing the new song? What does your Bible say? Before the throne. Going through something right now? Take it to the throne. Pastor, I, I, just, I just don't feel like singing. The Bible didn't ask you if you felt like it. It says make a joyful noise. It says sing loud. The 144,000 went through some unique experience that only they could relate to. 
only they could understand, only they could comprehend. And when they sing it before us, we're not going to understand it. We're not going to be able to learn it. We're going to sit there and we're going to appreciate them singing it, but we're not going to be able to chime in. And believer in Christ, there's going to be moments in your life when you go through something that is uniquely ordained of God for your lives. You better try to get a song through it. That song will become really precious. My most favorite song in all, all the world is this one. Would you join with me? God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Now sing it like you mean it. He answers prayer. Does he? He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He's so good to me. Even in my worst day, Pastor, he hath done marvelous things.